I don't want to watch hundreds of dinosaurs fling themselves off a cliff and die. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Did You Do Your Homework, the podcast where usually we assign homework uh, and get down on the academic significance of pop culture and current media. However, today we're in summer mode, and we hope that you are too. We are going to be, uh, you did not have homework for this episode because we needed a break, uh, and we thought you deserved one too for all of your very hard work and all of the reading that you have hopefully been doing to keep up with our podcast. I'm giving us a lot of credit here, so if I'm incorrect, uh, you know, just feel free to not at me. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, as always, Martha Sullivan, and uh, today, uh, today I am feeling... You know, I, I don't know that there's a word for, I don't know that there's a neat pop culture title for, for how I'm feeling today. So we'll just go with uh, anime obsessive for the moment. <laughs> could uh, you could you make one up? Like, I got, rumptive. I got nothing. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I had to work today, listeners, so I am just feeling a little bit brain fried. Um, although we could go with... Uh, wannabe writer i am participating mm. in a 48 hour flash fiction challenge uh my 1000 word short story is due at midnight tonight so we could we could pretend pretend i'm a writer for today yeah i'd say that's not pretending you're submitting a story uh and as you can hear i am joined today by my wonderful and patient co-host uh i'm pete romberg i've got a couple things going on i could pick titles from. Uh, I'm currently baking cookies, so I'm a baker. Um, I had a bachelor party yesterday for myself, so... Uh, ooh, not for myself. That sounds like I just was by myself the whole day. Um, I, I was just about to ask, did your... <laughs> Did your friends make you plan your own bachelor no, party? No, no. Mark planned it, and he did a great job. Um, and I was not hungover this morning, so I was able to watch France beat Croatia in the last game of the World Cup. Um, so I'm a soccer watcher, a bachelor partier, and a cookie baker, and soon to be a Jurassic Park watcher, uh, which is what I'm baking the cookies for. Are they dinosaur cookies? Man, I tried so hard. Uh, <laughs> I found this recipe on, like, Martha Stewart where she's like, get little bugs and, like, press them into the cookies, and then they look like fossils. I'm like, that's a cool idea. And, of course, it did not work. Um, so they're hopefully tasty cookies that are only tangentially related to dinosaurs. They do make, like, dinosaur-shaped cookie cutters. Yeah, I thought I had one. I do not. Oh, womp womp. Yep. It, it was very last-minute discovery on that part. Uh, well, we are going guestless today because this is our Whoops All Credentials episode. Uh, it's going to be a short one today, folks, and we are going to be talking to you guys about what we have been reading, watching, maybe playing, I'm not sure, uh, but consuming this summer. Uh, most of these things are things that are new this summer, but not all of them, because sometimes it's hard to keep up to date, and sometimes we just have to watch a show that came out a year ago. Um uh, Pete, would you like to lead us off with something from your list? Sure, absolutely. Um, listeners may know that a few episodes ago, my pop culture credential was The Dispossessed by Ursula Le Guin. 
and I believe Martha suggested that I continue the Le Guinning and read The Left Hand of Darkness, uh, which is another one of her sci-fi books. Um, I was in Michigan the a few days ago on the beach for two days, very lovely, and in those two days I read all of The Last Hand of Darkness. It was incredible. 10 out of 10, highly recommended. Um, I think I might I, personally like... I knew like, you would like that one. Yeah, no, it was phenomenal. <laughs> I might personally like The Dispossessed more, but it's one of those, like, I apparently these bo books are both part of, like, a larger rough cycle, and I'm already, like, trying to figure out the next one in that cycle to read. I didn't know... I'm sorry, what's the cycle? It's that called, it's called the Hainish cycle, and I think it's just all of her oh. sci-fi stuff is, like, okay. under that umbrella term, but they're not um, at any in any way connected. Okay, I had a moment where I was like, wait, have I been reading her books wrong? And then I was going to get upset with myself, but okay, I feel better now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm also going to start with a book. Um, I'm, I... I'm a YA librarian, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, um, and I frequently am about one year behind on the YA that I read just because there is so much of it that comes out every year, and it's, like, really hard to keep up to date with exact, like, with stuff as it comes out. And I also have sort of a, a personal policy that I don't put books on hold, um, when they come in because I want to give my kids a chance to check them out sure, first. Sure. Uh, this particular book that I want to talk to you guys about, I not only pre-ordered, but when we got an advanced reader copy at the library, I kept it because I was so excited about this book. It is called Anger is a Gift by Mark Oshiro. Uh, Mark Oshiro is an internet writer that I've been following for about 10 years. He does projects called Mark Reads and Mark Watches where he will read or watch a show or a book for the first time. And since he had an upbringing that was very devoid of pop culture, uh, these tend to be things that you or I would consider pretty ubiquitous. Like he hmm. did a whole Mark Reads Harry Potter series. Um, so he, he read all the books one chapter at a time and after every chapter wrote like a little um, essay about his thoughts, um, got into some literary criticism, uh, kind of broke everything down and he does that with shows by episode um, and he's just he's a really smart uh, really funny guy that I've enjoyed uh, following his work and Anger is a Gift is his debut novel it is a YA novel set in Oakland California which is where uh, Oshiro grew up and it is about systemic police violence directed at teenagers hmm. uh, it is a really it it was a remarkable book, I think. Um, the premise is that in this high school in Oakland, California, um, they have a police officer for security, uh, which progresses to in or progresses to having random locker searches for the kids, which then evolves into installing uh, metal detectors which leads to the students deciding um, that they're gonna take action against these uh, ridiculous and invasive security measures. Um, the main character ends up being kind of the focal point for a lot of the activism. Uh, and the book follows him and his friends as they mobilize and the ways that they uh, decide to um, show their disagreement with how they're being treated and how they work to change uh, what the school is doing to them. 
it is an incredibly diverse book. Uh, Ashiro himself is a Hispanic, is a gay man of color. So all of his characters are in some way, um, are, are diverse in some way. Like mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. there, there are no straight white men except for some of the like officials at the school. Um, and they are all, I, I felt so affectionate towards these characters by the end of the book. Like all I wanted was to bundle them up and protect them from these horrible things that were happening. Um, it's kind of a long one. It's about 400 pages, which is also sort of remarkable for a YA, de- YA debut. Um, but that, I that's long for YA in general. Yeah, it is. Um, and I got to, I went to a, uh, a stop on his book tour. He came to the Anderson's bookstore in Naperville. So I got to hear him talk about the book. And he, he said that actually his editor had let him make it longer from his original draft. Um, because he believed in the story that he was telling so much. Wow. Uh, I really cannot recommend this book highly enough. Um, especially for anybody who read the hate you give and enjoyed that one. Uh, this is a really good companion novel to that. Uh, I definitely just included it in my Goodreads list because this sounds really interesting and definitely up my alley. Yes. Um, I read it over like two days. Mm -hmm. I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It almost sounds like it could be a good, like, companion piece with, um, oh, uh, Cordacoro's book, um... Little Brother. Thank you. Yep. Uh, just thinking of, like, the, the Bay Area, uh, you know, teen sort of angle. Yes, absolutely. Well, and it's also really important to remember as you read this that a lot of it is based on Oshiro's personal experiences. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the stuff that may seem to you or I as two middle-class white people who grew up in a very middle-class white world, a lot of it I had to remind myself like is based on fact. Like this is not, this is not an exaggeration. This stuff happens. um, You you said like it progressed to installing uh, metal detectors. I'm like, yeah, checks out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that Anger is a Gift by Marco Shiro is my first, my first summer pick. Cool. Uh, my next one is an album. Uh, a lot of these are going to be auto audio because I have been rather busy this summer and have not had a time, uh, as much time as I wanted to, to like sit down and read other than for this podcast. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of music and a lot of, and one other podcast, uh, but that's not surprising for me. Um, the first album, then, is going to be Beach House's seventh studio album, cleverly titled Seven. Uh, it is Beach House... If you like Beach House, who are a dream pop outfit who've been uh, around since around the 2010s, I want to say maybe 2008. Um, I'm sorry, can you say that combination of words again? Beach House, what? dream pop. What is dream pop? Uh, so it's like a synthy, gauzy electro dreamy kind of pop music um you you have a little bit of the shoegaze uh bleed over from there um it's a little bit it's all like gauzy and synthesizers but in a way a little bit poppy you might like beach house um but they also might drive you crazy. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. <laughs> um, this album, say? yeah, like this album is is quintessentially them. They have a very distinctive way to build a song and way to like, and, and sound. But this has a little bit of a darker edge to it, which makes them interesting. Um, I mean, I love everything Beach House has done. The song Drive on this album is definitely one to take a listen to. It starts nice and sort of gauzy and then ramps up into a very energetic, fist-pumping kind of ending. 
Um, I if, that. Yeah, if you want to uh, check out a, a genre of music, I guess, that uh, many people haven't heard or listened to, uh, Beach House is great. Seven is the album that came out this past May, um, and which I've been listening to a lot. Uh, I'm just going to go through all of my books uh, in one go. Um, so my next one for you guys is a book called The Summer of Jordi Perez by Amy Spaulding, which was my credential on an episode or two ago. Um, Anger is a Gift is very heavy and very serious. The Summer of Jordi Perez is cotton candy. Um, <laughs> it is delightful. It is the perfect summer book. It is about a very fashionable teen girl who gets an internship at a little boutique um, and is working alongside another teen girl that she develops a crush on. Um, all of while that is happening, she is also engaged in the search to find the perfect, uh, perfect hamburger in all of Los Angeles. There are very cute clothing uh, that is described. There are delicious burgers that is described. Um, it was, uh, it was just head to toe, a complete delight, <laughs> uh, and a very good follow up to something as stressful as anger is a gift. Actually. <laughs> you, so, so you've got the one, two punch, either you could go the Cory Doc Toro wrote and, and have, uh, like a companion book, or you can have your, uh, shot chaser route of summer of Jordi Perez. Well, yeah, the thing about me is that I will frequently get into, uh, like spats where I'm reading a bunch of very similar stuff mm -hmm. like and it's it's usually heavy things like a couple of years ago I went through um a whole bunch of books about teens with eating disorders uh and I'm never sure why it strikes me to do all of that reading but it's, it's almost like I have to get all of it out of my system at once mm -hmm, so I read a mm -hmm. whole bunch of books about very depressing things um and then I need a palate cleanser and this particular Summer of Jody Perez was very definitely a delightful palate cleanser. I hear you on the palate cleanser. I've been, like, slowly trying to get through uh, Chris Hayes' A Colony in a Nation, which is about um, basically how... Well, I'm not going to get into it too bad. It's it's nonfiction. It's reporting. It's incredible. It's also incredibly depressing. And so I'm constantly, like, I'll read a chapter and then put it down for a while and read, like, something nice and fluffy and fun, uh, or even just something fictional. Uh, I will also say that I, I briefly mentioned this flash, flash fiction challenge that I'm participating in. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, it, I was assigned a genre, a location, and an object to use in my story. Oh, that's cool. Um, and my piece was very heavily influenced by the summer of Jordi Perez. I got rom-coms, which is not a genre that I write in a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did fall back a little bit on, okay, what did I what did I last read that could that could help me out here? <laughs> nice. Uh, well, I'm, I'm also going to keep going on my trend of music. Uh, the other album that I've been listening to a lot that has come out recently is Church's album, Love is Dead. Uh, that's Church's spelled with a V, C-H-V-R-C-H-E-S. They are a Scottish synth-pop band. Um, and it is, I don't know, it's hard to talk about music. You either like it or you don't. Uh, this is definitely leans heavier into the poppier side than their other two albums. Um, they have, this is their third album out. Um, 
I really like their first two albums. I like this one a lot. I don't think it's quite as good as the other two, but it's doing some interesting things uh, where I'm curious to see where they go with it. Uh, their single off it uh, called um, Get Out uh, is a really catchy, good earworm song. Um, there's a song with Matt Berenger from The National. He's the amazingly baritoned lead singer of The National. Um, anything he sings in, I'm always down with. Uh, so th this was a um, not their strongest album of, of the three that they have, but pushing in some pretty interesting directions where I'm curious to see where they end up going next. Uh, the more words you put in front of the word pop, the <laughs> more I kind of like dissociate from what is happening, which is weird because it's kind of where I live. Like I really love pop music, but it, it feels like pop is becoming like indie yes as a descriptor for music in that it doesn't mean anything anymore well i so so like churches is has like is poppy but they're a synth heavy band which is why they're synth pop um i i'm sure there are like uh icona pop is another synth pop band sorry that's confusing because they're the band is called icona pop um they have a couple bangers out a couple summers ago um anything where you're super synth heavy but also super poppy you're synth pop um and also, if you want to have a good time and also have your head explode, mm -hmm. go down the Wikipedia genre, like music genre, like super fine gradations, because those are really entertaining. <laughs> By which I mean you would hate it. Yeah, I'm going to talk about something that we can both talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> that was my last music one. So from there, uh, we're out of the woods. Uh, so I saw Solo. That was a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, so did I. <laughs> I actually, I actually, I had fun at Solo. Um, I almost wish that it had been episodes of a TV show mm -hmm. was kind of how it felt to me. Like a bunch of different, a bunch of um, serialized plot lines that got kind of recut into movie format. Yeah. Um, but mostly I left the theater of Solo thinking, why was this a story that we needed? Yes, I, in the classic Gladiator line, are you not entertained? I was entertained. It was a good way to kill way too much time. Um, but my shameful, my shameful secret is that I did enjoy watching it more than I enjoyed watching Rogue One. And that's fine. We can argue that. I, I know other people in the same boat. Uh, I was talking about this last, I was just thinking of Solo. Uh, my youngest brother apparently liked it more than The Last Jedi, and also really doesn't like The Last Jedi. Um, well, that's wrong. Yeah, we he got yelled <laughs> at by, like, five people. Um, so, but, yeah, like, I, listeners, don't at me. This is a Last Jedi fan podcast. Yes, 100%. I will fight you. <laughs> I am a huge Star Wars nerd. The Last Jedi was amazing. Um, Solo was frustrating because it was enjoyable, but... Like, I, I don't know, I left it and was like, that was fine, that was fun, but immediately I had, like, five things that I would have changed or fixed, and not even from a, like, oh, that's not how Han Solo got his blaster, but stuff just, like, from, from a basic storytelling perspective or a structural perspective. Um, it, it, and we'll be talking about this in our next episode, it washed over me like a classic pop, like, blockbuster popcorn movie did, and then left me almost as quickly. Um, which is not something that usually happens with Star Wars movies for me. My biggest issue is that if you're going to give me a prequel, 
I really needed to do something. I needed to tell me something new. Like I needed to give me new information because otherwise it's like, well, I know what happens. Hey, you find out how Han, Han got his name. That was a okay, thing you needed to know. That was the worst. <laughs> yes, I, I agree 100%. It was I'm glad so that dumb. I'm remembering this is a no swearing podcast because that was the one point in the movie where I was like, no, no, no. Yep. Incorrect. If, if you were at one of those fancy new movie theaters where you're sitting at a table, you would have flipped the table. I really would have. And I'm not even like a star. Like, I'm not even a stand for Star Wars. I'm a fan, but. Mm. It's just bad but, writing. But mostly, like, it just felt. It did not feel like we learned anything new about Han Solo. Yeah. Like, he undergoes basically the same character arc that he does in A New Hope. And it's like, if the purpose of this movie was to show me that he was a scoundrel or, like, how he learned to distrust... I think the purpose of the movie was, like, this is why he doesn't trust anybody. Except that it doesn't really do that effectively. Yeah. Um, and I really wish that the people who made the movie hadn't been so obsessed with like winking and nudging at me. Like, here's that part that you already knew was going to happen. Like, I, I didn't need that many. Yes. I didn't, I didn't need the beats of the story to be the beats that we already knew happened. Like I did not need the Kessel run in there, which I blinked and it was done. I did not understand. Of all the possible ways to do the Kessel run, this was my least favorite way to do it. Well, because I didn't understand that that's what we were doing when it happened. I was like, wait, when are we, when are we going to see that? And then it was over. So anyway, um, I enjoyed it while we were watching it. I thought the performances were great. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought the kid who plays Han was great. Yes. Um, Amelia Clark, I think, is better when she has better actors to bounce off of. And also a better script for her to do things with. Yeah. Uh, in the world of Star Wars brunettes, I thought she was fairly forgettable. Um, <laughs> I would have yeah. watched I would have watched 12 hours of Han and Lando like flirt playing poker. Yep. I read uh, I read or heard somewhere um I don't think it was from you, but it might have been that they should have uh, just swapped the casting of Thandie Newton and uh, Woody Harrelson. That um, was my, that was all I could think of when we left the, not swap the casting, just swap what happens to those characters. Sure, right. Like, I I could not stop thinking about how much more interesting it would have been if, spoiler alert for Solo, skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this thing. Um, if Woody Harrelson had been the one that died and Tandy Newton had been the one who ends up betraying him in the end. Like that would have been a surprising twist, I think, to have her be like a maternal figure to Han yes. and then betray him. Plus, like it, it makes a little bit more sense because you're setting up Woody Harrelson as like the guy that Han is emulating, and then he betrays him. It would make more sense if Han was emulating him because he died, and it was like he had this, you know, he befriended him, and then he died, and then he's like, oh well, he was a cool guy, so I guess I'll do everything he did. Plus, then we wouldn't have had to waste Tandy Newton, right. who is wonderful. And, like, I, I love Woody Harrelson, but, like, get Tandy Newton more screen time. Yes. That is everything I have to say about Solo. Cool. Um, speaking of movies, I've gotten into a new podcast uh, called Unspooled uh, on the Earwolf Network. This is Paul Shear, who is an actor and uh, does the podcast How Did This Get Made, and uh, the film critic um, Amy Nicholson, um going through and watching the uh, AFI's top 100 movies of all time list from 2017. 
Um, they're doing it in random order. They did number one first, number 100 second. After that, they've been literally rolling a hundred-sided dice to figure out which one they'll watch next. Um, it's beautiful. I think there's like seven or eight episodes in right now. Uh, it looks like nine. Nine episodes are out right now. It's really fascinating. They're both very smart people talking about film, but they're also both very, like, they're good listeners and they're good, like, giving in their dialogue to each other. Um, it, it's a really good deep dive into, like, these fascinating movies, some of which I've seen, some of which I haven't. Um, lots of uh, interesting, like, behind-the-scenes information and, and whatnot. Uh, but just, like, the two of them and, and their, their, like, chemistry works really well. So, Unspooled on the Earwolf Network. Everything I know about Unspooled I have learned about from listening to How Did This Get Made because mm. now Paul Shear is like, man, now I have a podcast where I get to watch good movies. It makes <laughs> doing the, the work for this one, like, a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. When, and Amy Nicholson had been a guest on How Did This Get Made at some point in the past, I think. Um, Probably. I haven't listened to all of the all the episodes. There's like 10,000 episodes, so. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it's my turn again. Uh, I saw The Incredibles 2, which was much better than Solo. Uh, I saw it twice. <laughs> I cried a lot. Um, whenever I say that, people get confused so i think that i should explain myself it's a Pixar families movie. well families supporting each other is one of my crying triggers like mm. i just love it so much and this whole movie is about a family that doesn't always like each other learning how to but they love each other they just don't always get along and yeah. it's all about them learning how to how they can best support each other um and i thought that was beautiful have you had a chance to see this one i have not uh, i was realizing i don't think i've seen a movie since solo in the theaters um i want to see incredibles 2 i want to see ant-man and the wasp uh there's like one or two um uh sorry to bother you i'm really excited to see uh, I just kind of have a feeling that I'm not going to get to see most of these until they come uh, to HBO or streaming or wherever. Yeah. Um, uh, just a couple more things about Incredibles 2. I won't spend that much uh, that much longer on it. Um, but one of the things that I was very concerned about with it was the whole plot line of Mr. Incredible having to sort of cede the spotlight to Elastigirl. Hmm. And I was very concerned that it was going to be uh, like men are bad at being single parents and like look how look how funny it is watching a guy trying to parent three kids and that's not what it's a that's not the story that's really good um i there there are some issues in the fact that mr incredible does have a problem with the fact that his wife gets to go be a superhero again and he doesn't but the movie doesn't isn't on his side in that like it's it is very much a this is honestly how he feels but it's not a good thing and his character arc is getting over that feeling so that he can just support helen sure um and yeah i it was the perfect amount of jack jack i was also concerned that there was going to be too much of the baby um minion style but no it was wonderful uh and yeah i i really enjoyed it nice it also has what may be the best Pixar short in front of it, which is a an animated short that is the first one directed by a woman from Pixar called Bao. Mm -hmm. uh, B-A-O, right? Yes, yeah. as in the dumplings. Right. And I don't want to tell you anything about it 
because when you realize what it's about, it's so wonderful mm-hmm. that I like don't want to spoil any. Well, the the sort of short version is that a a woman who I believe is a Chinese, like a first generation Chinese immigrant, sure, uh, makes a bao dumpling that comes to life. Mm. So it's a little bit little gingerbread man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it is a lot more than that and was almost worth the ticket price by itself. <laughs> Plus, it, like, it's it's Pixar doing it, both that and then Incredibles 2. They tend not to do bad movies. I'm, I I like The Incredibles 1 a lot, so, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually, I it would be, I wish I had done this and I would recommend it, uh, watching the first one right before you go see the second one. Hmm. Because it picks up immediately. Do you, like, everything I've heard about Incredibles 2 is that it's great, but it's not as good as Incredibles 1 because that's the best superhero movie ever made. Um, so, like, do you think it would be tarnished by, you know, like, wouldn't be as good because it's, like, hard to beat the top? No. Here is what I think. I think it is really hard. You, you... I think it is really hard to duplicate the sense of originality that mm-hmm. the Incredibles had. So, like, by its nature the sequel can't be as fresh because it's not the first one. Sure. Okay. So I, I, it it is probably less good by virtue of being a sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is not less good in terms of quality. I don't think, um, the, the villain stuff is not as beautifully simple. I think one of the, one of the wonderful things about the first Incredibles movie was just how, um, like simple the motives of the the villain were and how um it it was a complex movie but it it had a clear through line yeah like there was a a pretty beautiful thematic simplicity and i think the theme in the sequel isn't as clearly delineated like not every plot thread ties back to the um, original theme as cleanly as it does in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just as delighted by this one as I was by the first. Cool. Um, I think I've got maybe two, one to two more on my list. Uh, I can, I can, I've got one that I'm like, eh, I could talk about it, but whatever. Um, yeah, I really only have one more that I must talk about. Cool. Let's just do one more then. Okay. Um, Because I really don't need to talk about Westworld. Um, Yeah, all I have to contribute to a conversation about Westworld is that I think I'm breaking up with Westworld. Yeah, like, I watched it. I had, much like Solo, I'm like, huh, that was interesting to watch. I had issues with the last episode. Um, But what I do want to talk about is uh, The Great British Baking Show, which has a new old season on PBS. Uh, What do I mean by that? Um, The... PBS is airing a season of Great British Baking Show that has not yet been aired in America, but is origi- like had originally aired in, I think, 2012 or 2013 in the UK. Uh, this is the, uh, s- uh, the season right before the first season on Netflix. It's a little bit shakier because it's, a, it's newer. They haven't quite gotten exactly a feeling of what's going on. Um, the group of bakers are delightful, but they're all definitely less skilled than some of the later seasons. I know that um, sort of based on the outcomes of, of this season, um, they retooled like sort of what their expectations for their bakers were in terms of like just generic or, or like basic baking skills. Um, 
That being said, it's a new season of The Great British Baking Show I haven't seen before. Therefore, it's the best thing on TV right now. Um, I binged it very quickly. We've talked about The Great British Baking Show on this show before. I think we both love it. Um, it's my zen place. Yeah. It, it is what I watch when I want to chill out. Yeah, it's like the nicest show on TV. I actually, I like to watch it when I'm sick hmm. because I kind of... I, I don't necessarily need to be conscious for all of it. <laughs> yes. I watch like, it when I I'm can... in the kitchen, like, cooking or cleaning, so I'm not really paying attention. Yeah, I can kind of doze through it and wake up and be like, okay, we're making bread now. Cool. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, yes, I love it. I will check that out. I, I also wish that people who were fans of The Great British Bake Off had told me earlier in the, the one season that's on Netflix that the um, contestant named Martha was the cutest girl on the planet because A, that's my name and also cutest girl on the planet and that would have gotten me into the show much sooner than I did. There are, I think, four seasons on Netflix now so if you haven't watched, like... Oh, no, I'm, I'm okay. there. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Once I, once I started, it was a very yes. quick descent. <laughs> yes, yes, same. Uh, so I am also going to conclude by talking about a show that I am now obsessed with. Uh, this is not new this summer, but it is new to me. Um, I have finally gotten, uh, as I referred to it on Twitter, I am back on my BS. I have paid for a subscription to Verve, so I'm getting caught up on anime. Is Verve an and, anime streaming something? something? Yeah, it's, it's owned by or run by Crunchyroll. So it's, uh, you can stream Crunchyroll, Funimation, they've got some other, uh, like, Cartoon Network stuff. It's like an animation-focused uh, streaming service. You don't have to pay for it. Um, all of the subtitled anime, I think, is free. Um, I got so tired of watching ads that I was like, fine, I will pay you $6 a month so that I can watch the Funimation shows. Mm -hmm. Um but most importantly, and the reason I bring it up at all, is that I just finished watching Yuri on Ice, uh, which is an anime about the world of men's professional figure skating. Uh, and it is delightful. It is 12 episodes long. I watched it over three days. <laughs> I cannot stop thinking about it. Um, a little bit of background. I skated semi-seriously for about 10 years. I quit when I was 14. Uh, because I got to that point where it was like, well, if I want to get any better, I really have to buckle down and like dedicate myself to this. And mm -hmm. at 14, I was like, nah, dude, I want to do all this other stuff. Right. Uh, I have very mixed feelings about that decision that I made as an adult. But as a teen, I think it was probably the right way to go. Uh, and now this show is just full of beautiful men who make terrible life decisions. And I love them all so much. Um, it's also based very... Or not based, but it takes a lot of influence from the career of Johnny Weir, who is a fascinating figure in the world of men's skating. Hmm. Um, he, for those of you who are not as uh, invested in the world of figure skating as I am. Possibly uh, me. Yes. Uh, Johnny Weir got a lot of abuse from the institution of figure skating because of how um, flamboyant and over the top they found his whole shtick to be hmm. um figure skating is very homophobic and is very misogynistic um and johnny weir just refused to compromise what he considered to be like his artistic vision for 
the judges that he was skating against. Um, and I think that he got lowballed out of the sport. Um, that, that's fascinating because anyone not in the sport has the other opinion of it that like, you know, figure skating is like a super gay thing. Um, well, and I think that's why. Right. Like to push so hard against it because they're like, it like, like the hyper masculinity as a defensive. I, I believe that Adam Rippon is the first active professional skater to be out. Hmm. Um, I don't believe that he's the first gay figure skater. I mean, obviously right, right. because Johnny Weir is now out of the closet, but I don't believe that any other figure skater while having an active professional career came out of the closet before Adam did. Hmm. Um, and he did that, I think at pretty great professional risk because the scoring and judging and figure skating is so can be so subjective yeah. that people can get um, underscored just at the whim of the judges. Uh, so it's really been, it was really lovely to see sequences in Yuri on Ice that are taken like directly from programs that Johnny skated. Some of the costumes are based directly on costumes that he wore and he designed a lot of his own uh, skatewear. So just the, the respect that the show has for him and also for figure skating as a whole uh, is really wonderful. Um, all of the skating sequences were choreographed by a professional skating choreographer. Like the, the whole show top to bottom is just a really great homage to the sport. And it's only 12 episodes. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Ant-Man yet, so I can't really talk about that. Yeah. Like I, there's a ton of movies out that I want to see a lot of, like we haven't talked about the Avengers. We could. Eh, I think we don't have to. Everyone, I was going to say, everyone else has. Yeah. I don't... It's also like two months old now, so I don't know. Go listen to it. I don't want to talk... And I, I don't want to talk about it until it's a complete movie, which means I can't talk about it until part two comes out. Yeah, yeah. Cool, well, that, uh, so that seems anyway... like a good place to wrap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you guys all for indulging us uh we needed a break probably as much as you did uh we will be back uh in two weeks to talk about uh summer blockbusters and specifically the value that they have uh it is a firm belief of mine that just because something comes out in the summer and costs a million or costs a billion dollars to make uh doesn't mean that it has no artistic value um yeah, it doesn't mean it contains no artistic value. So we're going to be getting into that in our next episode. Your homework assignment is to, yeah, go see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of bummed, real quick sidebar, I'm kind of bummed that we don't have a movie like Wonder Woman this year. Yeah. Like something that is like... Well, I, I think what it is is we had Black Panther, and it just came out in February instead of like in the summer which is another thing I'm going to want to talk about on next episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can find us on Twitter at DYDYH podcast. Is that it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can send us an email at show at homeworkpodcast.com. Uh, let us know what you think. Give us a review on Apple podcasts. Um, make us easier for other people to find. Uh, that's the only way, or that's the best way, really, to get the word out. 
Um, if you want to follow me, you can find me online at Magical Martha on all the things. Uh, Pete, where can uh, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Pico three thousand P I K O three thousand. Cool. Um, am I missing anything? You can download our show at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can tell other people about our podcast. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, SoundCloud. You can find us on SoundCloud. <laughs> um, <laughs> us and the high school rappers all on SoundCloud. Heck yeah. <laughs> we'll know we've made it when we're on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, I, I think that's it. Uh, cool. Um, enjoy doing your homework, everybody, and class dismissed.